Hey guys, Toolman Tim here. Welcome back to the workshop where we create community, find freedom, promote preparedness, and share success. And we got my, my music coming in the background there. Sorry, guys. So it is May the 8th, 2022, and this is episode 109 of the workshop podcast. Tonight's going to be a great episode. We got a special guest coming on here in just a couple of minutes. Mr. Kerry Brown, he's a friend of the workshop, and he's this will be his, I think, second appearance in the workshop now. So I always love having a chat with him. I put the uh, the feelers out because I realized I hadn't booked a guest this week, and Carrie's like, hey, we talked about a really cool episode, and um, I'm sure you guys are wondering what the hell that thumbnail is about the video. We'll dig into that in a minute. Real quick, we'll get the announcements out of the way. Number one, this Friday, that would be May 13th, noon mountain time, we have got A American, Chris Weatherman, the author of the Going Home series, coming on. It's a huge get for the workshop, so... Please, please, please share the link in uh, all your social media. I'm going to reach out to some fellow content creators and hopefully get them to share it for us as well, because what we want is to bring in as many faces and people so that we can have him back again, because I'm excited. Who doesn't want to pick the brain of the guy that we're reading the book on, right? Now, that one you might have heard if you tuned in last night, If you, but I told you I'm working on a couple of more surprises. I have one more special announcement. If you guys are, you know, if you're following the prepper pod, prod, prepper podcast kind of area. If you've ever listened to the casual preppers podcast, it's Cam and Colby, really cool dudes. They are one of the largest preparedness podcasts out there. They're friggin' hilarious movie lovers and a whole bunch of other things. Well, it's official. They are going to be coming on the show Thursday, June 23rd, 7 PM mountain time. I am excited. I reached out to them wondering whether they would say yay or nay. And they got back to me super quick. They're going to have, it's going to be fun. We're going to welcome them to the workshop and it's going to be great. Three, come and join the Telegram group. That is where we solve the world's problems. That's where we come together as a community. It's where we share each other's issues and figure things out, help people with business, but it's just a great community all around. I pinned the link to the Telegram group in the YouTube chat. So if you're in there, check it out. Um, and if you need it, I will throw it up there. Now, on to Mr. Kerry Brown. Let's bring him on. And I almost hit remove, Kerry. How's that? There he is. Hey, bud. Hey, thanks for having me on tonight. Thanks for coming on. Short notice, too. It was great. And I think we put together a pretty crazy episode, I think. So we'll see. Yeah, we're going to have to nerd out a little bit on this one. That's okay. So tell, yeah, I'd like to hear what you've been up to. But before we do, what, what the hell are we going to talk about tonight? So... We were chatting one night and we realized that we probably needed to discuss the Ferengi rules of acquisition. And for those who are not our fellow nerds, Ferengi are a, um, a, a species, a race or a species, I always mix that one up, uh, in the Star Trek universe, particularly seen on like Next Generation and Deep Space Nine shows from the 90s. And the, the very basic of Ferengi philosophy and culture is the acquisition of profit. It's like a religion to them. Their world is completely oriented around that. And as entrepreneurs, there's some stuff we can learn from their rule book. And there's 300 and something Ferengi rules of acquisition. We shouldn't follow all of them because some of them are probably a very bad idea. But there is some wisdom uh, to be found in that book. Yeah, so there's 300. So I get a message from Chris Dixon about 10 minutes before we go live going to show him out right now because he's he's a jerk and he knows it and he he says you do realize there's 300 rules of acquisition 
and that you personally have me have a hard time making it through a top 10 list in one episode. So just busting my balls a little bit. Thanks, Chris. But he's absolutely right. And no, we're not going to try to get through all 300. We we each picked our top 10, whether we get through them all or not. It's another story, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that's all right. So what have you been up to since I, what's it been? One week since we saw each other, which is crazy in real life? Or One or two, something day? like that. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't do time very well, uh, but I've been busy. I've, uh, I got a couple of new customers. I'm getting jobs done for them. Um, completed a couple of jobs, all kinds of things happening out here on the homestead. Uh, I mean, just trucking right along little projects checked off little, little tasks that help like getting another rain barrel hooked up, got that done yesterday. Um, made a cool little sign for the homestead. I'll, I'll throw a picture of that up in, in the chat tomorrow when I get it up on the post. So just right. nice little things like that, despite the fact that we had like torrential rain and crazy storms on Saturday. Um, so I was kind of stuck inside for most of that, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's spring and it's booming and I love it. What'd you do with your rain day? What did I do? That's a good question. Normally I just walk back and forth and pace the house and drive angel crazy. <laughs> um, I probably cleaned. I don't, I, I honestly, I don't remember. I think I cleaned and maybe like puttered around on the website a little bit. Right on. Do you, do you still have that thing you showed me before we went live right handy? Yeah. I'm putting him right on the spot here, guys. He didn't even know I was going to ask him that, but I forgot to do a tool today. So uh, hold that up and describe it. So the people listening on audio can uh, know what it is too. So this is a gardening knife. It's called a um, Hori Hori. That's spelled H-O-R-I. I think it's a Japanese tool, but I'm not 100% on that. So I, I grabbed this off Amazon, and I bought it through Tim's link because I'm a cool dude like that. Hey, thank um, you. You're welcome, buddy. So this is um, it's, it's one piece steel, kind of a nice wide handle, um, has depth markings, one side serrated, one side smooth. It comes pretty sharp already. And you can use this for digging out weeds. You can use it for digging and um, dividing out bulbs, uh, all sorts of stuff. And um, the the weight of it seems like it's going to be really heavy and handy, even in our incredibly rocky soil. Comes with a cool little sheath, so you can wear it on your belt and freak people out. Um, so I'm going to get to use it tomorrow for one of my kind of regular maintenance jobs that I have. Would it um, would it impale the brains of a zombie as well, perhaps? This would be a wonderful zombie tool. I mean, I wouldn't want to have to be this close to a zombie, but if you're like pinned down on the ground, this might be like the one thing you could have leverage with. Right on. That's so, cool. I got to get one. Do you remember yeah. how much it was by chance? I think this one was 25 and okay. they're anywhere between like 20 and 50 bucks. But they cool. all seem to basically be made in the same place and made the same way. So, you know, I kind of went middle of the road on that. Letty Lou says right through the eyeball or the temple would take care of it. So she's right. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I'll throw a, I'll get, um, I'll get the link later guys and I'll put it in the podcast. So anybody listen to the audio and I'll, I'll throw it in the, uh, the YouTube replay as well. So we'll have it there. So you said, so, uh, for the, the geeks of us, um, you know, it always seems to be Star Trek or Star mm -hmm. Wars. You, you said you used to watch, uh, we were chatting before, and you used to watch Star Trek The Next Generation with your dad. Um, mm -hmm. So how did you, do you remember how you first got uh, acquainted with the Ferengi? <laughs> it was probably just watching, yeah, I was probably watching Next Generation in the late 90s with dad. And my dad is 
a hilarious guy. And he also has a remarkable memory. He remembers every motorcycle he's ever worked on, every conversation he's had with a person, every name. I mean, it's, it's bonkers. And so when these Ferengi showed up on screen and they start quoting their rules, my dad actually has like a notebook with them handwritten down. And he, over the years, he's rewritten them. And he will quote them if, when he's, like, referring to a customer. He'll quote them sometimes to a customer, but also <laughs> to, like, else who will listen. So it just it, – it's so funny because he'll just I'll, – I'll maybe be sharing, you know, a, a story about a customer or a job or something with him, and he'll just come out with a relevant rule. So um, – I love it. Yeah, I was – I think I so I was thinking okay because uh, you know we're gonna geek out for a couple of minutes anyway but you remember when Deep Space Nine came on mm -hmm. yeah so I wasn't a huge fan of it to be honest when it first came out it was slower and more I don't know because you know when you go back and you watch Next Generation it's pretty slow too but mm -hmm. the fact that it all took place on the space station but the character I always did love was Quark or Quirk, however you pronounce yeah. it. And he, yeah, I know the Ferengi were on next generation before, but they were always background to me and never really paid attention to him. But when deep mm -hmm. space nine come on and you seen, Oh yeah, this guy, he is always, he reminds me of a character out of medieval times. You know how there was always that one guy in the King's court who's always playing everybody and always listening mm -hmm. and always trying to figure out his way. But uh, obviously they were successful at it because it seems like their religion and their, their faith was pretty much money. Hey, or at least uh, more profit. Yeah. Yeah. That was like their, their driving mechanism. And you were uh, really looked down upon if you weren't inclined to acquire a profit in either above board or below board manners. So we went, and we went through the 300. We, we have not shared notes at all. So this will be really fun. Um, mm -hmm. We picked our top 10-ish or whatever. We're going to go back and forth. We're going to chat. We'll probably throw a few stories out there. But overall, we will... Hmm, how do you want to put it? I think I'm sure Carrie and I are very similar in one vein that we probably stayed away from the... Um, well, we talked a little right quick beforehand. And I was like, you know, there's a lot of them in there that are about taking advantage of relationships and people and not in the right way. So I bet we'll stay away from those, but it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. So do you want to share yeah, your first well, one, Gary? Sure. And and this could also be seen as some of the things Ferengi say is like, this is what you absolutely should not do. <laughs> right. So there's, yeah. there's that. And uh, they, they definitely um, do not have a sense of, um, uh, of, of thinking like, equality when it comes when it comes to women so we're definitely not going to go down that road so the first one i picked out and i, and I didn't quote the uh the, the episode it was from but free advice free advice is seldom cheap okay so this is gonna i know where, where this is gonna go because whenever i have somebody on who thinks the way i do it's almost like we steal each other's notes so that was on my list too but yes go ahead I have found that people who are very quick to offer their unsolicited opinion about something um, fall down, like my, my ears just turn off pretty much. Uh, if I, I have to build a relationship with somebody before I will even consider um, their input on certain things. So 
And also, it does make me question when I'm being issued unsolicited advice as to what that person's motivations is. Maybe maybe it is good natured. Maybe it is meant to help. But there's a right way and a wrong way about going about doing that. Yeah, you get so as a content creator, this is one of those that you get a lot, whether you want it or you don't. And <laughs> which is fine because you put yourself out there and that's part of it. I mean, it also works that way in business, but the best example I can think of, and Jack tells a story all the time too, but when you get somebody that says, oh, you know what you need to do? You need to carry Ooh. a go with you everywhere you go and you need to have portable lighting and you need a blue Yeti microphone and you need, and you need, and you need. And then you go and you look at their channel and you're like, huh, no videos or no subscribers. And you're like, listen, I'm not trying to be that guy, but I'm not really sure why you're offering me this advice because I don't think it's going to be good for me. <laughs> you... uh -huh. And people, I, I guess, yeah, I, the free advice thing almost seems like people who are free with their advice as well, right? The people that really yeah. just don't think very hard. They're just like, hey, you know what you should do? You should offer this service or you should offer this product and then when you offer the service or the product and you put it out to the the world and you're like hey here it is they're the last ones to show up yeah you know um my buddy leo's there from the zello he he was the one that you know you know you know mike there from oh, yeah. he was cooking at lftn and he 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 creates um merchandise quite often and more times than not somebody will tell him like hey you should try this and then you try it and Ah, you know, free advice isn't is uh, seldom cheap, right? Because it ends up costing you money in the long run. So my first one was, and this one makes me chuckle when you think about Quirk's ears and his big ears. But it's keep mm -hmm. your ears open. Did you have that one? Not that exact one, but I'm I'm down with your uh, your approach there. Yeah. So me, I've always. I mean, this is what I what I talk about when building a business, when starting a um, handyman business, whatever it happens to be. Information is key. The more you can know, the more you can hear. You just just pay attention. Always look for opportunities because it's easy to, you know, it's just easy to blow things off like, oh, shit, this isn't worth anything. But I think about when I was very first starting my handyman business and I've told this story and I'm sure you guys have heard it before, but I kept hearing people kept saying, we need somebody to do odd jobs. We need somebody to do this. And if you're listening, you just never know. Or mm -hmm. you might you might be walking down and somebody might say to you, well, hey, are you, are you looking for, like, you know, you, you're talking about campers earlier. Hey, are you interested in buying a camper? Well, normally I'm not. But if my ears are open and the price is right, maybe I can flip it in six hours and make a hundred bucks or a thousand dollars, right? So right. I, to me, information always, always brings it in. Absolutely. And like, you never know, you know, you have the opportunity to engage with somebody and maybe you're kind of iffy on it, but if you feel it out and you proceed, like I can think of two or three people that maybe I initially wasn't real excited about doing jobs for them, but I did. And then I got half a dozen referrals off of that one customer because I took on a job that was like kind of not great. And usually that works. Sometimes people are like, Hey, I heard you do really 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 aggravating jobs for other people <laughs> and I'm like not as many as i used to you know but again if the price is right maybe i will so so there's that aspect too you just never know what road it's going to take you down so don't get that tunnel vision 
Yeah. Like, and I guess it could be, you know, keep your ears open, keep your eyes open, keep your mind open because all of that. Right. And, uh, yeah. Cabot Porter said, uh, I think we're, this was a little earlier when we were talking about work, but he's want or know who, or, or might know who can. And that's part of keeping your ears open, right? Always listening, knowing where you can find things and yeah. Keeping an open mind. And I see the Philippine nomad, Mike. Well, we got to give him a shout out as well. So how are you doing, buddy? So what's your next one, Carrie? All right. Um, this one kind of pairs up with yours. Wise men can hear profit in the wind. Yes. I had that one too. So we're doing good. All right. So what are your thoughts on that one? I would say that, again, like not not boxing yourself in too tightly but paying attention to the bigger picture and seeing what little niches are available to to uh to jump in and earn a profit you know uh there's uh there's still a demand for people to do like you said odd jobs but there's still so many people they don't want a, a huge service they want an individual mm -hmm. and you don't have to be that individual for 500 people. You might be able to do it for 25 and, you know, and earn what you need to earn. Yeah. I, for me about, you know, hearing profit, I like that. And I took it just a little different about the same, but very similar. I, I kind of seen it as there's always different avenues for profit. And I, I remember back before I even started my business, when I first started, you know, I was driving, I had a lot of what we called ass time when I was working in the oil patch and we would drive and I started noticing, you know, in the spring, I would see people walk in the ditches to pick up bottles. And I thought, Hmm. And then the bug bit me. And so everywhere I drove, I was looking, I'm like, there's literally thousands of dollars worth of <laughs> empties on the roads when the snow melts up mm -hmm. here. So of course, well, I, you know, I built myself a little bag with a shoulder sling and bought one of them $3 grabbers from dollar dollar tree or whatever it was. And I went and did it. And then, you know, whenever I go to the dump, it's like, huh, I just can't help but look at the copper that said <laughs> that somebody threw out in the regular garbage, right. Or old batteries. Or, you know, when I go into bank properties, looking for things I can flip or like the picked up a few vintage video games a little while ago and sold them on eBay. And I, mm -hmm. and I think, you know, you might, and here's the other thing, you might hear profit everywhere, but eventually you've got to figure out which one's going to be your biggest profit. <laughs> Otherwise you're going to drown an opportunity that doesn't work. Right. Yeah, for sure. So my next one, I like this one quite a bit. Uh, that was, it's the rule number nine opportunity plus opportunity plus instinct equals profit. And did you have that one? I did not. No. Okay. So that one, this was a skill or, um, I don't know, a skill or, um, yeah, I guess it's a skill. Something that I was not born with. I was not very good at. So Becky, my wife, is great at jumping on opportunities. You know, sometimes I have the instinct to see it, but I, for years, I remember, stupid thing, years ago, I seen this beautiful wood stove that somebody put out to the side of the road and it was free. I thought, man, I really want that. And I drove all the way home thinking, I really want that wood stove. <laughs> Went in the door, sat down, told Becky about it. She's like, why the hell didn't you do a U-turn and pick it up? And I thought, okay, I guess I could. So by the time I got home, turned around and went back, it was gone. Because mm -hmm. 
you know, I had the instinct to know I really wanted it, but I was really bad at seizing the opportunity. And that, that you got to be able to do both. And that's something over the years I've gotten better at and also setting yourself up for it. Right. Because, you know, a lot of times having a little extra cash on hand or doing an extra job or two allows you to seize an opportunity that maybe you couldn't have done before. Absolutely. Yeah. I have, I've taken a job that I didn't have the tool for, but I knew I could do if I had the right tool, because one, I either knew I could borrow a tool or I could go buy the tool or rent the tool and, yeah. and make it happen. And even if I was never going to do that job again, I could either flip that tool. But in most cases, I, ju I just hang on to it because why not? I mean, if I can store it and I have room, then, you know, just, just that little bit of financial flexibility or that social capital to, uh, mm -hmm. to borrow. something. Yeah, for sure. I like your thought there too about taking a job on, even if you don't have the tool yet. Cause I know um, I'm in that handyman uh, mastermind handyman journey group, something like that on Facebook. It's a, um, and there's lots of guys on there that talk about taking a job and turning it into a tool. And, you know, mm -hmm. and Jack talks about that on the survival podcast and I, I've talked about it a bunch too. And that, yeah, like seize the opportunity and then turn the money in that you're going to make from this job to buy a tool, especially that first year of business. Hey. Eh? Yep. Absolutely. So what's your next one, Carrie? So I've got the bigger the smile, the sharper the knife. <laughs> yep, I got that one too. That's awesome. Um, so so I think? say this is where uh, this is another one of those pay attention to your instinct moments. Um, there are people who want to take advantage of others, um, yep. unfortunately. So watch out for that for sure. Yeah, I've run into that. I, I always think of, uh, I was a wrestling fan back in the nineties and uh, stone cold Steve Austin. He always said, don't trust anybody. And, uh, and you know, a lot of people say trust, but verify, but that's, mm -hmm. you know, and when I, I put, you know, this is rule number 48, the bigger, the smile, the sharper, the knife. And to me that, that again is a skill or an intuition that you kind of build because I, I can picture, you know, some people have a smile and you're like, okay, yeah, I can trust them, but you almost get that kind of creepy vibe. Like you're trying to take mm -hmm. advantage of me. And I, I picture like some kind of old Looney Tunes cartoon, you know, with <laughs> Bugs Bunny smiling with a pie behind his back. Yeah. Right. And, and that's, mm -hmm. that's it. And it's, it's tough because I'll, you know, a lot of times the harder somebody tries um, the more they're trying to pull the wool over your eyes. And yeah. I, I think that's in business too. You know, you, you have people that talk a big game or customers you'll have, Oh yeah, I love this. Or because I, so I've had a lot of conversations with customers where you think, wow, or even better tenants, prospective tenants for property rentals. And they will come in and you think, okay, these sound like good people. And one of two things, number one, they're, they want it right on the spot. They tell you they absolutely got to have it. And then six hours later, they message in and say, now we changed our mind, you know, or mm -hmm. worse than that. And people always ask me, like, how do you pick a good tenant? And I said, well, to be honest, every tenant is a perfect tenant until they're not. Some just play a better game at it. Right. And there's it. It's mm -hmm. rare. Uh, it's unfortunate. But in, in rentals, it seems quite often um, people tend to not move out on good terms. You know, it, it's whatever they, they get in financial trouble and then they just stop paying or it doesn't always happen that way but about 50 percent of the time but 
like we had one guy that was really good for the first year and then everything just kind of went downhill. And when you sit down and chat with them and they fill out the paperwork and they're, they're nothing but smiles and they're the nicest, best people in the world. And then all of a sudden they move in and they wreck the place or, you know, put holes in the walls and right. Yeah. The, the bigger the smile, the sharper the knife. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. So, uh, my next one is rule number 54 and it is never buy anything you can't sell. And I'm, did you have that one or no? No, but it's nope. a good one. Yes. So <laughs> I'm going to tell you a little story tonight. And also, I guess what goes along with that is, um, you know, don't sell something for less than it's worth, right? Uh, don't put yourself in a position where you're desperate and you need to get out from under it. But mm -hmm. Um, I, like I've built my tools up and a lot of the stuff that I've bought recently, I sold the old version of so that I could take a little bit of that money and invest it in the new one. But, uh, my, our RV that we have, I was trying to sell it tonight and that's why I was a little late getting uh, the show notes put together was because a guy showed up here at 10 after six and wasted my time and decided he wanted to lowball me on my camper. I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. no problem. Uh, yeah. So Becky listed it and got 30 people all at once. I'm like, Oh, okay. So it was nice to be able to walk away from that and not have to sit there and dick around with a guy. Yeah. But when we bought it, even back. So when we bought that camper about five years ago, we were, you know, not in as good financial shape, you know, not that we're great now, but we're, we, we've made significant improvements over the last five years. Right. And even when we bought that back then, I knew it was a good deal. And I knew that if we didn't like it, we could turn around and sell it for more than we paid for it. And I, I think always thinking about the, the resale value, and it's the same with houses or properties, I think too. Um, think about the resale value. Even though you might be totally in love with something, your way in life might change. You might have to sell it. So don't get in over your head with the purchase. Mm -hmm. You ever bought something to re, uh, resold or made good on it? I'm not occasionally small things i'm not um a, a big a big flipper yet uh my brother's really good at that he is phenomenal in fact i think i would probably if i needed to sell something i think i might just let him do it and give him a commission or something i hate yeah. it that much um i get offers on the jeep all the time almost every time i'm out and i get offers that are kind of like crazy high um wow. well more than what i paid dad for but I keep hanging on to it because one, it's so dang reliable. And two, then I'm just having to find another vehicle and there's no guarantee I'm going to find something that takes care of me as well as that Jeep does. So it's like, mm. I could, if I needed to, but you know, that's, that's my work pony as dad calls it. So I'm, you know, probably not, I'd have to be mighty hurting for cash. And uh, I'd probably sell off a lot of other tools first before that, but yeah, it's uh that is definitely a skill worth learning and one that I probably need to work on as being a little more uh, proactive in that. Um, I've had six successes this year with um, doing some plants and some trees and things like that, along with like little, little upsells, like little instructional booklets and, you know, email me for, you know, you, you have email me for two weeks if you need, you know, further instruction or questions or whatever. And, you know, and it's like, it's stuff that I've, you know, harvested sustainably here off the property, like things where I was going to need to mow and I dug out some trees and, you know, sold them. And so there's that. I like that. What, so, um, 
are you putting together instruction booklets or just ones that you've bought and then resold? I put them together for like specific plants. So I, I did like little cards for like sassafras trees and uh, a couple of other little kind of forget at the moment, but other little um, little plants. And I've realized that like we have we have so many microclimates up here on the property that um, we have a lot of really, really nice shade plants, different ferns, may apples, things like that. And I always see people looking for shade plants that you don't find as many of them in uh, in like the nurseries around here. So next year, like now I'm noting where they are. And next year I might be able to offer like very small limited packages of these kind of, you know, deep shade, like forest shade ground covers and plants because and a little educational kit to go along with it. I love that idea. And what I love about, because it's easy to sell a piece of paper or a book. Like, okay, if, if you tell somebody like, okay, here's a write-up on the plant. Well, and it's say $10 or whatever it happens to be. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I'm a, um, you know, an eight and a half sheet, eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. They might think, man, that's overpriced. But if you hand them that sheet of paper and you tell them for the next two weeks or the next month or whatever it is, you can call me with advice for that. Well, all the, that's. I love it. That is awesome. Way to go, Carrie. Yeah. And just if you word things right, you're providing a service, not a product. So right. You're just giving them something tangible to hold on to that reminds them of that service you're including. Mm -hmm. It's complimentary. How, yeah. How'd you come up with that? Do you know? Do you remember? You know, I started, I did a, a very brief side hustle back when we were at the, uh, the urban homestead where I had a seed starting service. Okay. And I actually had some takers for it. And I had customers bring me their seeds and it could be thing, you know, tomatoes, peppers, different things like that. I had a whole grow shelf set up. And so I had a very limited number of spaces, but I got like four or five people. And so they gave me the seeds. So I did not purchase them. And I poked the seeds in soil and maintained them because it can, it can be hard, especially with like tomatoes and peppers and a few other things to get them from an itty bitty seedling to something that's ready to transplant. Yeah. And I was doing cracky hydroponics then too. So I was trying stuff in hydroponics. I was trying stuff in soil and I, you know, I had some plants were successful and I was able to provide back to the customer so many plants, some didn't do so well, in which case I had just like a, like a refund policy basically, or a, I had like substitute plants that they could have instead it was their choice and i was very upfront with everybody i'm like i'm basically trying this out if you want to come along for the ride let's do this and they're like it's a two dollar and fifty cent packet of seeds i don't care you know so very low risk and marketed correctly and we ran it past the accountant at the time it is a service you are not selling a product you're not selling plants because there's right. like licenses involved in that um and and, and it's for somebody who had like a really, really good setup, climate controlled and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it could probably be a nice little side hustle. I like that. That, that reminds me in, in Nova Scotia, where I grew up, the, the liquor and wine laws or you know, liquor laws in general were pretty strict, but some of the homebrew places were starting to offer a service where you brought them the material and they would make the wine for you. So they were just offering the service. They would make it, bottle it, whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you would even buy the materials from them. But it was a, I loved it. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, just like a like an animal share of some sort, you know, and you can get meat and milk that way. And it's like you are co-owner of the animal. So, yeah. Oh, and yeah. if that's not a Ferengi mindset, I've never heard of one because I mean, yeah. yeah, I've actually got a special one at the end that I didn't fit in that anyway. I, I Yeah, we'll talk about that at the end. But I got a shout out to Ted McDonald. He just said, uh, roll, uh, rolled into Toolman Tim's workshop. He says, I was expecting Star Trek talk. Well, we're in here. We're, we're talking about the Ferengis. And I, I got a story to tell you guys about the next generation at the end here. I'll, I'll share you. So it was pretty good. Oh, and Ted, I didn't know that. Ted says he used to have a hydroponic side hustle. I'm nice. uh, going to have to pick his brain about that some night. That's cool. So I think, is it my turn? Am I next to go? I, I'll, I'll, I can't remember. but uh, Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Okay. Uh, lucky 13, my favorite number. Anything worth doing is worth doing for money. Absolutely. <laughs> Did you have that one? No, but it's that's one of the best ones. I love that one because that is something uh, growing up on the East Coast that I had to change my mind about because out, out there it was very, I mean, barter, still barter, but it was very much a mindset of, hey, could you come give me a hand? And then maybe I'll come give you a hand or, hey, you know, um, can I use your truck? I'll give you a case of beer, you know, that kind of stuff. And when I moved to Alberta, the, the thing that took me a little while to get used to, but I really loved was that everybody valued everyone else's time out here. So if they wanted you to do something, they paid you for it. And it was really weird at first for me because, again, where you grow up, right? And I had, you know, always had that uh do you hate money beating around in your head, right? Because you don't. And it's absolutely true. We all only have 24 hours in a day. We all have the same 24 hours in a day. And if you're going to do something, damn it, make some money at it. Or, you know, do something that makes you some more time to make you some more money. Mm. So I, I'm at that point where I, I try. I mean, I love having my free time to work on my hobbies because that's what I like and I want to create content. But Damn it! If you're if you're doing something, find a way to make money at it, right? I mean, look at you, Carrie. What you know, two years ago, right? You started with your business. Yeah, yeah. Like officially, like unofficially, like 2019, but really it took off in 2020. And we've we've really got, and I, I try to encourage this and other people like you do. We've got to get away from this mindset that there's something inherently wrong with wanting to earn money and wanting to earn more money. Um. And until something really drastic changes, the way our world operates is on a monetary system. And there's right. no better way, um, especially with somebody who maybe maybe you don't know them very well. Maybe you have like a, a, a bit of acquaintance or something. But if you can offer that person some kind of exchange of value, that's going to strengthen relationship. Like you, you, you can never go wrong with uh, – with making that offer, I'll tell a real quick story. When oh, I was, this, so this this involves um, PA Prepper, who's in the network, mm -hmm. and you know he runs. Uh, he's a website dude, runs servers, you know, and that's I have that's my, my website. Yep. website through him. So when I was first getting all that set up, I am ignorant as can be about this stuff, and I was having trouble getting logged in or something. And, you know, Joshua doesn't know me from Adam, but he's got, he puts his phone number in every single email. So I found his phone number and I was like, I need a hand, please. And that guy, it was like a Saturday night at like 7 PM was on the phone with me for an hour. Not just like we got the actual problem fixed in like five minutes. That wasn't the issue. He stayed on the line to like guide me through. He was like, okay, that's what this plugin is for. 
he's real big on security stuff. So he gave me advice on that. And so, you know, we're finally wrapping it up after he's like gone way out of his way. And um, I was like, Josh, thank you. Can I please send you something? And he's kind of like, ah, you know, it's not a big deal. It's okay. I'm like, please. And he was like, well, you know, Jack says I don't hate money. So, you know, and I was like, just, and so I PayPal him, you know, yep. a 20 because holy cow, that was, that was his time. He didn't have to do it. He could have been like, here's how you fix it. K bye. So, you know, and, and it's not about, it doesn't matter. Like I'm sure, you know, Joshua probably makes more money than I do. That's fine. That's awesome. It didn't matter. It, it wasn't about a class system. It was about the fact that I wanted to express appreciation in a commonly accepted way. And, uh, and, and that's okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, so I'll share a story with you as well. And again, I, also, uh, this was as much, uh, one of my issues for a lot of years was people would want to reward me or, you know, show their appreciation and I was always shy or, you know, I didn't want to. Right. And so I had somebody email me the other day and I'd answered a bunch of questions for them and they were really grateful. And they're like, Hey, can I tip you or send you an Amazon gift card? And in the past, I really would have said, you know, uh, it's okay. Or, you know, but I know that that is the way somebody wants to show their appreciation. You're absolutely right. And from, you know, so they sent me an Amazon gift card, which was friggin' awesome. And that made my day too, you know, and it showed up and your eyes light up and you feel good about it. And that that's part of that value for value exchange. Yes. And yes. Uh, Chris put up here, I just want to bring this up. He says, sometimes you don't need to do stuff or sorry. Sometimes you just need to do stuff for happy as well. Otherwise I think happy loses its value. And absolutely. So what I want to, uh, we didn't want to venture too far into the profit for profit sake in this because that is a big portion of <laughs> the rules of acquisition. Like, you know, sell your grandmother for 20 bucks, that kind of stuff. And I don't think yeah. any of us would say that we we would never do something for free. I, I just think personally, uh, I erred way on the wrong side of that for a lot of years where I did everything and never made any money. So mm -hmm. you got to wake up someday and realize, okay. Anything worth doing, I, okay, anything worth doing is worth doing for money, but sometimes you're not going to do it for money, but just remember that it is worth doing for money, right? Sure, absolutely. What's your next one, bud? Nothing is more dangerous than an honest businessman. <laughs> I didn't have that one. Talk about All right. It. So, you know, I thought it through for a while because I kind of saw it from two different angles for a little bit. But somebody who doesn't have to stay busy all the time covering their tracks and, and diverting attention off of nefarious activities probably um, can't be messed with too easily. It's kind of like if you don't dig yourself in a hole, if you don't have to keep track of all the lies that you've told. Um, you're probably going to be like a very effective entrepreneur, a negotiator, whatever the case may be. I like that. I see. I I'm I kind of misinterpret. I, I I what I like about this is we can read them and have different interpretations. Because to me, I was like, I was thinking, you know, I, I picture the Frangi like, damn, honest businessman cutting into my profits or something like that. But I, I liked your take on it a lot better. I, I think I'll stick with that because you're right. And we um, last night we got talking about the same topic there about how it's so you spend so much time and so much energy trying to remember what the last lie was you told. 
that you, you lose things, right? So you're right. Yeah, somebody who you're, yeah, somebody who really is above board and treats people right and doesn't break the rules are a lot harder to blackmail or run into out of business or you know you because like you said you've got nothing to hold over them. Mm-hmm. Um, so my next one is number 27, rule of acquisition number 27. And it is the most beautiful thing about a tree is what you do with it after you cut it down. And <laughs> so, I mean, that is their practice, you know, that's practicality to, to a T with the, uh, with the Ferengi. Now I'm not saying that a tree doesn't have inherent beauty while it's standing there and doesn't have value while it's standing there. But my interpretation of this is um, again, is finding the value in something. What can you do with something? You know, uh, I'm trying, like, for instance, you could sell an egg for, or a dozen eggs for $3, $5, whatever it is. You could turn around and turn those eggs into an omelet and sell three or four omelets and make $50. Or Mm -hmm. you could hatch those eggs, turn them into a dozen chickens and sell them for $150. (laughs) <laughs> or you could go around and take the um, the rules or, you know, the skills you've learned and teach other people how to raise chickens, make omelets mm-hmm. and sell eggs and make thousands of dollars. So there's always different ways to repackage things to make more money with it. Definitely. Definitely. I'm on board with that. What's your next one? Take joy from profit and profit from joy. Hmm. I like that. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I definitely do get to do more of what I enjoy doing in order to make money these days. Um, and I do wrap up the bulk of my days being satisfied. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe tired and worn out and a little bit sore on occasion, but definitely satisfied from the nature of, um, I, you know, honest work for honest pay kind of thing where I usually on, on most days I have like a, I have a tangible thing to show that I have achieved. Yes. So that's, that's satisfactory to me. I like that. And I, I, you know, I am not a super religious person at this point, but I, I, I know I vaguely remember uh, a few different of the, was it the Proverbs that talked about a man taking joy in the toil in his field or the, or the hard work. And really, mm-hmm. I mean, boy, there's nothing better than a good day's hard work. You, you might hurt, you know, the older we get Carrie, the more we hurt, but I mm-hmm. it just, it drives me, you know, I love it. And you feel good when you're done. And uh, Cabot says, love what you do and you'll never work a day in your life. Joy from joy. Ain't that the truth? Hey. Yep. Yep. So, and I'm getting there. Oh yes. In it, it doesn't happen. And you know what that, okay. I hope people, I gotta, I gotta throw this out there sometimes because you know, when we're, when we teach and we talk about our businesses, I think sometimes people might be like, Oh yeah, he's just happy, happy, joy, joy. Like, uh, what was that? Ren and Stimpy, the happy, happy, joy, joy song all day long. Right. But that's not true. I mean, just what it is, is the end of the day, the end of the week, the end of the month, we take satisfaction in what we do and we love it. Are there shitty days sometimes or days where you don't feel like you're, you know, you're hitting your head against the wall. I bet you've had some less than joyful days. Haven't you Carrie? Oh, Oh, I I've, I've customer. Absolutely. I have customer. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
and among other things and sometimes individuals and sometimes, you know, giant dogs chasing you down the street and things, things of that nature. But, but you know uh, you're still making yeah. that choice to do it, right? Yes. Yes. I like it. I'd rather get chased by a dog on my own dime or my own time than getting chased by a dog working for somebody else. True. And I've, I've had it both ways. I've jumped fences in, in both circumstances. And it's like, well, at least I just jumped the fence for $50 and not for 12 So there is that. Absolutely. So I'm going to throw my next one out there um, because this was, uh, Ted was sneaking a peek at my notes. So I figured I better throw this one out. He obviously knows um, the Ferengi rules of acquisition. Mine is, next one is rule number 285. No good deed goes unpunished. So, I'm going to tell a story, uh, and I have found this, and you don't want to be, I don't want to be that guy that doesn't do good deeds for people, but what I have found quite often in business is when you do something for someone else without being asked, it's a flip of a coin whether they're going to be happy or it's going to come back and bite you in the ass. Mm -hmm. Now, I have a guy locally who gets me to do uh, sidewalks in snow and things like that. And one day we were out doing them and we're like, hey, this person's here has um, a little bit of snow and ice there. We'll clean that up on their sidewalk while we're doing it. While we were doing it, the person called the town to complain that we were doing it for them. So I, I don't know why. You know, I once had somebody call me and chew me out because their snow they were a next door neighbor of a customer of mine. Their snow had been packed down by somebody driving on their sidewalk with a four wheeler. So somebody in the town was nice enough to go around with a four wheeler and plow everybody's sidewalks after we got 12 inches of snow, did them all. Of course, I'd got to my customers first and cleaned it off. So this lady called me and chewed me out and called me every name in the book because she thought I had taken my four wheeler and done everybody's sidewalks and then packed her snow down. And I was like, so first off, you're bitching because someone else did your snow but packed it down a little bit. And number two, you're accusing me who didn't even do it. So there's days where I could tell whole, you know, I could probably write a whole book on no good deed goes unpunished. Yeah, and it happens. And, you know, sometimes you, you just don't see it coming and it's and it's frustrating. I've had moments like that, you know, um, sometimes uh you know, you think you're going the extra mile and maybe not so much like and 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 quickly you learn, you know, especially if it's if it's a customer they're Well, they're not going to be a customer very long if they um, if, if they can't be pleased. Some people can't be pleased. And that's that's frustrating. But they can uh, they can go find somebody else to uh, to abuse. <laughs> yep. Uh, Chris says uh, sometimes what you get for free costs entirely too much. And doesn't that, that goes back to what was the rule we had earlier? Um, free advice is seldom cheap. I think cheap. that's the same yeah. thing, right? Yep. You're like, oh, this is free. Oh, great. And then all of a sudden, oh, no, that really didn't work out, did it? Yeah. Yeah. So what's your next one? Knowledge equals profit. Ooh, I like that one. I didn't have that one, but share your thoughts, man. I like that one. Um... Well, you know, as well as I do, um, somebody asks you if you can do something and you're like, probably let me get back to you in a week and you go YouTube it and then you do it to your own house and then you go do it for money. Yep. <laughs> oh, done it. Done it a few times. Usually turns out okay. 
Um, there's also been a couple of times where I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm not comfortable. I'm not comfortable taking this on. Thank you for asking. Uh, if, if I do add this to my, uh, to my handyman list or whatever, I'll let you know. But yeah, I mean, I could really apply this to the, um, you know, to the kind of permaculture style consulting that I do is I am always waking up more knowledge from, you know, anybody I care to listen to in person, online, otherwise, I'm able to just take that knowledge, apply it, add it to the list and just keep stacking that up. I, I think that is like, I, I look in the, in the handyman business. And, and so when you, you, you base, a f- you get a few skills, right? And we can look at skills as knowledge as well. So you build the base skills. And then all of a sudden, what I like is once you hit a certain point, and this didn't happen to me right away, but eventually you get enough base skills that you can start combining those and mm-hmm. learn other skill way friggin' quicker because you already have the basics of measuring and cutting and angles and whatever else. So then you can mm-hmm. apply pouring to siding and siding to drywall. Although I, I don't do drywall. I hate drywall, yeah. I'll pack drywall, but I, yeah, I've had two calls this week for drywall that I turned down and they would have been good jobs, but I, I'm not good enough. You know, can I go in and patch a hole that, you know, some tenant punched in a wall? Yep. Am I going to drywall an entire house? Nope. Because I'm going to no. make $3 an hour and I'm not going to be happy with the end result. Yep. What, uh, next one, this one, uh, the a number rule number 62, the riskier the road, the greater the profit. And I was thinking, I, I, well, one thing I was thinking about recently was crypto, you know, whether it was, you know, if you bought Bitcoin way back when and you held on to it for quite a while, well, it might've seemed risky and it could be like, if you, you, you know, listen to some of those shit coins and stuff, you're like, well, one of them might be good and you might take a risk, but it also works when you want to build something great because mm-hmm. there, John Willis was talking about this the other day when I was on the live stream with Nicole. And I think it, he made me and Nicole think twice and he... And, and this is uh, Brian Aleskovich from Lots Project. It's kind of his mindset as well. And when you burn the bridge or burn the bridges behind you, you can't go back. And, you know, I've always said that poverty is a great motivator, but so is desperation. And if yeah. you get yourself to that point, you know, if, if you take a big risk, the reward will be really good. Or, it, sorry, the reward could be really good. But mm-hmm. I find it really motivates you too. And so sometimes you just, you know, not everybody has the stomach for a great big risk. But again, the riskier the road, the greater the reward. It's it's the truth. And I've I've torched a couple bridges. Um, didn't really mean to, but that's how it got interpreted. So that's that's how it went down. Um, but it's just like when I think about some of those, you know, former former jobs it's it's almost like it was a different lifetime you know like that was a thing and i and i did good work and i'm happy with with what i did there but it's like can't go back you know can't can't go back to selling building materials right man no (laughs) that's what when i read this one i'm like friggin' right and that because i of course i always tell people don't burn a bridge right (laughs) but yet i was the biggest bridge burner of them all like i i rarely left a job i mean i'll be honest i I was really bad at, at quitting. Most times I would just not show up and then call and be like, Hey, I'm not coming back because I was too scared of confrontation for a lot of years, but yeah, it would set me in a spot and it had a lot to do with, you know, just being in a bad mindset and things like that. But again, 
I realized I found success when I jumped on that plane, went across to Alberta, moved my family out there, and we burnt that bridge. We weren't going back the second time. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah, there's nothing. I mean, there's nothing that lights a fire under your ass like we got to make this work. You know, I mean, especially in your case, you know, wife and young children and everything. It's like this. This has got to roll somehow. So uh, it, it's time to set aside the pride and, and, and get it done. And there's nothing wrong with that. And we live in a society that in a lot of ways encourages us to depend on a variety of entities. And there's nothing wrong with using certain avenues to get you to a certain place. But eventually, you know, you've you, you got to stand on your own two feet. So, yeah. uh, you know, there's there's systems in place that can help certain people who truly need that help. But most of us can make it happen. I mean, there's there's nothing special about me. There's nothing remarkable. I'm just a little bit stubborn. I'm not even terribly focused. I'm not terribly disciplined. I, I just, I just, I just do it, and usually it works. Sometimes it blows up. Um, but I mean, I got a fridge full of food, and my wife is happy. So I guess we're doing all right. I remember. So here's another quick story. I remember. So when when Becky and I were we first got married, we didn't know how to adult. We didn't know how to. You know, we we were learning as we went, right? And we relied on her mother a lot to babysit, like to the point where when I look back on it, we were really taking advantage. Like we literally, you know, could we have afforded a babysitter? I mean, we could have made it work, right? So one day she's like, listen, I can't do this anymore. And it was totally our fault. I'm not blaming her at all. But she said, I just can't babysit for you anymore. And you know what? We figured out, we made it work. We For a while, she worked nights, I worked days, or we found another babysitter that we, we magically found the amount of money to make it work. And like I said, there's nothing like getting cut off or having your feet knocked out under you to figure out how to make something work. Yep. What's your next one, man? Even in the worst of times, someone turns a profit. Oh, ain't that the truth? Wow, I like that. Yeah, go talk about that. I love that. That's relevant right now, isn't it? Oh. Um, you know, I picked up a lot of good... Uh, good energy and, and good vibes off of John Pugliano over at Nicole's workshop, because I mean, for one thing, he's, he's just, he's just so steady. He's like that steady hand on, on the ship's wheel, you know? Yep. And, and that voice could talk, I would imagine most anybody out of doing something rash and ridiculous. And uh, what's so cool is that, you know, John and I come from incredibly different backgrounds incredibly i mean just everything about us is is on polar opposite but i just found him so reassuring and calming because i can be a little squirrely sometimes and get it you know i can pay a little too much attention to like doomer porn and things like that yep. and um, yep. and 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 john's like well yeah i wish i could do a good john voice but i can't but he's like you know here's here's the graphs here's how the market's operating here's the numbers like he uses real data, not manipulated stuff, not yep. Yep. you know emotionally manipulative stuff, and and so you know I was just talking to him. I'm like, you know, I, I don't worry too much anymore. One, because I like made steps to secure certain things about my life, but also um, I have this I have this abundance and opportunity mindset now, and as long as I'm able to hang on to that. I'll find something to do, you know, and, and I, I have worried before. I'm like, well, what if people no longer want to pay for, you know, a gardening service or no longer want to pay for, 
uh, consulting for, you know, designing their guilds or whatever. Well, I still know how to do a lot of stuff that still has value no matter what. <clears throat> I remember my dad always talked about, uh, he worked in the grocery business basically his entire life. And he always said, like, when times got tough, the grocery stores did better because mm -hmm. people still had to eat and people went there. And uh, I remember talking to, uh, uh, the, um, uh, what's it, Greg was his name. He was the local garbage man in my growing up, my hometown. And when times were tough, times were, I said, well, how's business? And he'd always say, oh, picking up, but it's kind of down in the dumps. You know, it'd just be in a dump. <laughs> but, but what he always said was garbage is always a business. You always got to figure out how to get rid of it. And, you know, and it's true. Like <laughs> I was thinking, you know, um, there's always a way to make money. I don't know why I was picturing this, but I'm thinking about, you know, in medieval times when they would behead people, I bet you there was somebody there selling Kleenex or, or uh, cloths to the people in the front row to wipe their face off afterwards, you know, like times can yep. be tough. There's always a way people, as long as there's two people alive on this earth, you're always going to find a way to exchange value because that's human yep. nature. And no matter how tough, how tough times are, there's, and, and that's why John is so great because he, he calls it, what's he call himself? A, a realistic pessimist. I don't think he's a pessimist. I think he's a realist. And yeah. uh, I listen, I could listen to that man talk all day long, but he's like, I mean, he is the definition of making a profit when times are tough or not. And you're, you're right. Yes. I love it. That's great. Yep. Uh, my next one, this was, I, I think this is my top one. And, and if do you have, how many you got left? I've got one left. Okay, good. So, uh, let, yeah, I'm going to give you my favorite one. I've got one extra afterwards, but this is my top one as well. And it's good customers are as rare as latinium. Uh, treasure them. Mm -hmm. Did you have that one by chance? I remember reading it, but I didn't write that one down. But it's okay. I, I'm I'm all all about it. That to me. So I had we we talked about this earlier, but latinium or whatever latinum is basically you know the for lack of a better term, it's either their version, the Ferengi version of platinum or gold. It doesn't matter. Basically what it means is good customers are as good as some of the precious metals on the planet and treasure them. And I will tell you right now that one good customer is worth more than trying to attract 10 new customers. Absolutely. I just about two of my absolute favorite customers, Kathy and Dwayne. They are both, I'm going to give them something this year because actually, geez, what, what's the date? I don't even know. I think I just passed my fifth year in business anniversary, which is super exciting. That's, yeah. Cool. Anyway, the very first two jobs I ever did was Dwayne's computer shop. I dug out all that decorative rock and put it back in by hand. And number two was for Kathy and we tore down her shed. And you know what? I still do their snow in the winter and I still do their grass in the summer. They're customers, mm -hmm. they're friends, and uh, I have made a lot of income from them because we have a trusted relationship. I work for them. I never take advantage of them. I treasure them. I think the world of them. I give them cards at Christmas and chocolates at Christmas because I truly do treasure them. And if you can get yourself a base of a few of those customers, they are as rare as platinum or gold or whatever. Mm -hmm. What's your top Completely one, agree. So I knew I know we said we weren't going to get into the whole stuff about wives, but I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of flip this one on its head. But <laughs> okay. The, the, rule, the rule is this is this is Carrie quoting. This is not Carrie's opinion. A wife <laughs> is a luxury, but an accountant is a necessity. 
Um, huh. And my case, I, I do absolutely treasure my wife because she is also the business bookkeeper. And right. this business would not be successful if that lady wasn't running the books and making me turn in my receipts and not leaving them on the dash and who knows what else. Like she, she catches up to the numbers nearly every day. I mean, we, she doesn't let stuff stack up. You know, if she gets more than a couple of days behind, that's incredibly rare. So, um, but to both of those accounts, if you have a, you know, a, a spousal partner in the business, that's huge. And, and also, yes, a good CPA. Um, I would oh, yeah. um, very, very much in line with what Jack suggests. Like I would rather pay a few hundred a year to a decent CPA than um, go through all that guesswork myself. I can't keep all those rules in my head. I have no idea. I'll pay them to tell me what I can and cannot deduct, you know, mm -hmm. totally fine. With that. <clears throat> I love that. Yeah, you're right. And that's about investing in your business to, to make a little more. And you're, yeah, the, whew, there's nothing. Yeah. If you've got somebody that can take care of you, cause I, I always joke, but you know, when I was in high school and even when I first met Becky, I was good enough. I could spend money before we made it, before I made it. You know, I remember, <laughs> I remember in high school, I was addicted to baseball cards and I would go down to the local baseball shop or the, the card shop and he would let me run a tab and I would spend my next paycheck a week before I made it. And I was oh, so boy. good at that. So if you can have somebody like, I like doing the business work. I don't like running the business work. So if you have mm. somebody to take care of all of that minutia and make you more money that way, great. Because, I mean, I, I will do it. But I the thing I hate the absolute worst is sending out invoices at the end of the month. And I do it every month, but I friggin' hate it. But mm. if that kind of stuff doesn't get done or you don't have the proper, then, yeah, absolutely. Man, we got all kinds of comments here. I, I want to, before we dig into the comments, if anybody has any questions, throw them up there. So this is one I ran into, Carrie. And I like this one. It really, um, it was kind of a business rule, but it really... Uh, resonated with the voluntarist in me. Uh, you know, uh, the word anarchist is scary. So when we use that word, a lot of people think we mean something else. <laughs> so, something silly like that. Yeah. So I love the word voluntarist because we all, you know, we, you and I both believe that all, all interaction should be voluntary. Hence, you know, value for change, right? So rule number 69, I, I just, you know, funnily, funnily numbered, whatever, is you could afford your ship without your government. If it weren't for your government. Oh, nice Good. one. Yeah. Nice I one. found that and I'm like, I didn't know the Ferengis were uh, an anarcho-capitalist because that is exactly that. If that didn't resonate with me, my eyes lit right up and I'm like, I'm not going to use that in my list, but I want to share that at the end because think mm. about how much more you could do if you didn't have to pay your taxes or <laughs> you could choose where your taxes went even. Hey. Yeah. I'd, I'd opt even for that if I could have more control over that for sure. Um, I don't, I don't mind, you know, making that choice where I want to direct my money. I mean, I already do that to some extent. If I don't want to do business with a particular entity or person, I just don't. Um, I would like to have the option to uh, not have to do as much coerced uh, business with, with the federal government. Yeah. I, that's what I thought. I, you know, I, I talked to my American friends and, you know, I, I, of course I would say other than maybe the gun control thing, the biggest conversation starter that we all had last week was uh, the healthcare, right. And talking about the difference because I was very proud of my daughter a little while ago. She came home from school and she's like, dad, 
I didn't talk to the teacher about this, but it really upset me because the teacher said we had free health care up here. And what I wanted to do was put up my hand and say, we don't have free health care. We have taxpayer funded health care. <laughs> I, was I, so <laughs> because I was like, you know, when you look at how much percentage of whatever you or I make, and that's one of the best parts about having a business is because you get to spend and get taxed on what's left over. Whereas when, you know, we've talked about that before, but I just think how much of a better ship could we afford if we had our choice on where our money was spent? Yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, but in, in that case, you know, like with the, like with the CPA or any other kind of legal representation, use the knowledge of those people to where you can, you can pull that number down that has to be paid out, pull that down as much as you can legally do so. And there are yep. ways of doing it. There, there are ways of going about it that are 100% above board. And, um, you know, don't, it, it's hard to be a free man when you wind up in federal prison for tax fraud. Yeah, and, you, uh, that's basically broke so, rule number one of survival, right? <laughs> or yeah. maybe rule number two, you've lost your freedom. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Don't, don't let your opinion get you in, in, uh, uh, in deep. Cause, uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be that guy. That would, that would not be fun. And I can't take care of anybody if that happens to me. Big, yeah, I, I feel the same way. I've mentioned that to Becky on multiple occasions. I might have an opinion about things, but I'm not going to let that opinion, uh, just because, just because something, um, in your mind is absolutely right, doesn't mean it's practical, right? So you, you have, we have yeah, to yeah. live in this world, and we have to work within the rules that we have. And that's what I love about the mindset of the Ferengi was, it's all about looking at the system and working in the system and making, getting the most value out of um, twisting that system to your own use. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be done on every level. I mean, huge, huge corporations do it. So as a, as a small time operator, you know, use, use the rules to your advantage. That's fine. And you can, regardless of how you feel about that ethically, let's say you free up $500 a year that way. That's who knows what you could do with that $500. You can turn it around. You can park it in some charity that you care about. You know, if, if you feel like you're being selfish, that's, that's advice I give to friends frequently. I'll have people come to me like, man, I'm in a funk. How do I get myself out of a funk? Go do something nice for somebody else and stop thinking about your own shit for a little while. You yeah. know, that's what I do. So, uh, and it works every time. John Pugliano says, I, I believe he's like money and profit or money is amoral. You know, it's what you do with it, because if, if you want to get down to it, every dollar that's ever passed through your hand has probably also passed through a drug dealer's hand. So you probably sure. shouldn't own any of that money. Right. So you can't you you can't base anything on where the money came from before you. All you can do. All, the only control you can have over it is how you spend it and where you spend it. Yep. I like that. So, yeah. Uh, so what do we got here? We got. um Oh. Cabot was talking about you, Carrie. Said, Carrie, if it usually works, that sounds like your determination more than anything else. That was how you're talking about being so damn determined. I I guess I think it's just a family trait. So um I, I don't I don't know how to turn it off. It's just it's just a thing. <laughs> stubbornness can be learned, but it sure helps when you're born with it because stubbornness is probably one of the I mean, it can get you in trouble too, but it's definitely one of the best attributes of an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I try to use it. I try to use it for good. Um, I used to be a little more um, pessimistic and close minded about things. 
but I've really tried to just open it up and, and just use it as a, as an opportunity um, mindset. Absolutely. And uh, so Ted, he, he always listens to me and he always jokes, but he says money's the greatest motivator. And then right below that, he throws up or lack thereof. Yeah. And, yeah. I like yeah. that. Cause again, we, we talked about burn the bridge uh, and you can't go back. Right. But he's right. I mean, there's something about, you know, wanting to make a little more money or more so needing or having to make a little more that make, you know, that really does get you going, doesn't it? You figure out, you figure out how to make the mortgage payment, the car payment, whatever it happens to be. Yep. What else we got? Oh, and uh, Liberty's uh, shouting out, um, this is Letty Lou. She says, John's talk at LFTN was awesome. I haven't listened too much from him before last week, but now I definitely want to. What is John's podcast name? Oh my God. Do you anyway? Do you remember it, Carrie? Are we talking about Pugliano? Pugliano, Investable Wealth, right? That's it. Wealth or the Wealth Studying Podcast. Wealth Studying, thank you. I can't believe, oh, John, if he was listening, he would shoot me right now. I'd feel so bad, but John is incredible. He's a self-made multimillionaire who to talk to the man you wouldn't know, but if you were looking for a solid financial podcast or, you know, either go back, he he has a lot. He has a really good back catalog. He only makes video or um, episodes as needed, but check him out. He's awesome. Yeah, really good. It's so. worth going back. He and John, he and uh, Jack. Jack did a part back in 2020. Um, go back and like just search him through Jack's website. I, re- I have recently re-listened to that because um, it sparked a lot for me then and it just, it it's now I listen, I'm like, yeah, they were right. So uh, it was something about like permanent unemployment, but it was all about finding your opportunities wherever you are. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I mean, he, that there was no time, I don't know, maybe other than post 9-11 that the world felt so scared. And John was basically mm-hmm. like, there's going to be opportunity no matter what. So just grab it and do it, deal with it. And yeah. and the older you get, the more you realize that, you know, I mean, we've been through a thousand crises as a, as a world in my lifetime. And, you know, my kids, it scares them shitless sometimes. But to me, I'm like, listen, I've seen it. I I joke with them. I'm like, literally, the church has been predicting the end of the world since Christ Christ was crucified. So you're looking at 2,000 years they've been predicting Mm -hmm. the end of the world. And CNN's been doing it just about as long. So you just got to move on. And and it's just part of living the life, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh, this is good. Um, Do you want to? Comment on that one. Sell the sizzle, not the steak. That sounds like tell your story. Yeah, and there's a, there's a quote that's like very close to that uh, in the in the rules of acquisition. Um, yeah, uh, there's something to be said for, you know, when you talk to people about like when, if you're negotiating a job with somebody, if you can convey like assurance and confidence even if it, there's just a hair of um, faking it till you make it. Like I had to learn how to do this um, back on the ambulance. We would, we would run a call and we would show up and it would be some kind of gigantic cluster and nobody knew what was going on. And it didn't really matter. I mean, there's always things you can do, but as long as you just weren't running around like a chicken with your head cut off, if you were just, if you walked up and your voice was calm and your posture was calm, suddenly you would find that you would figure out, what needed to be handled and, and like in what order. So that's just convey that, convey that confidence. It is, it, it's kind of a learned thing, but uh, that will, that will ease up the process considerably. 
Absolutely. And I, for me too, it's um, value. You know, when you, when you tell the story, I, I mean, you can only sell a steak for so much, but when that mm-hmm. steak has a story behind it, and, you know, whether it's I, whatever it happens to be like, I, okay, here's a really good example. I, I talked to Patrick Warman at uh, the spring workshop and Patrick will be the first one to tell you he, he, when you meet him, he's like, listen, there's people who sell better knives than me. There's people who sell worse knives than me. He said, and you could buy a knife from a whole lot of different people. But the reason, the reason I bought one from him and the reason he said most of his customers buy from him is because they want to support him. They appreciate his story and they want to reward him for his story. And to me, I was like, wow, that's, that's absolutely true. And that's where that extra value comes in because most things have kind of a just that kind of set value. I mean, you look at, I don't know, Louis Vuitton bags, for instance, right? I can go to Walmart and buy a shoulder bag for $10, but Louis Vuitton or whomever else can sell them for, I'm going to guess, hundreds of dollars. And I bet they're not hundreds of times better than the bag you get at Walmart, but they're selling the sizzle and the story and the prestige, and they're making more money because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's okay to get your own personal branding. Yes. Yeah, and that that's worth money to you. You know, and people, uh, we've, we've, we've probably mentioned poor Jack a hundred times tonight, but I mean, we've both, I mean, he's been a teacher to us, you know, even though he might not always know it. But I mean, people want, people take to the brand, that you know, they take to the personality. They want to be able to support a story and a person that they respect. So why not sell the sizzle? Because people want the sizzle. That's what, exactly. that's what separates you and your business from the 300 other handymen that are in, I want to say the yellow pages, but that doesn't even exist anymore. But you know what, what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And Ted, Ted must be a, Ted's a geek like us. Cause he said, uh, or it could be gold plated latinum, latinum as well. Cause we were talking earlier about uh, the Frank yeah. and I'm to do some digging. He's like, yeah. So he, he knows his stuff for sure. Mm-hmm. What else we got here? Um, time, uh, Cabot says, time like latinum is a highly limited commodity. TikTok, make the most of your dash. And that's right. My buddy, our buddy Brian from the Lots Project, uh, he, he talks a, a lot about that too. Like just, um, you know, leaving a legacy or him and I have had conversations about this. And I, you know, to me, that's a, I wouldn't say a big portion, but a, a significant portion of why I make all this content is because that's part of my legacy, you know, going behind my, my, my family, my kids will always be able to see that or my, my distant relatives, hopefully somehow, but also it's a way to extend your legacy as well. Uh, so that, you know, in person, how many people can you affect or teach or change their lives, but through teaching and through content creation, how much more can you multiply that? Yeah, it's a really, really good point. Um, and I found that I'm, I'm trying to get a little more of my own stuff, my own thoughts out there, um, be a little more focused on that, even if it's just sharing like short little, um, video snippets and stuff on Instagram of something I'm working on or some, a little, you know, foraging walk or something like that. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I can get really focused on legacy too, especially because, um, as it stands, like Angel and I and my brother and his wife, like nobody's having kids. So it's like right. the Brown family, like it, it's going to stop here, that particular side of it. And I have I have mixed feelings about that. But that's that's just the situation. That's just how it is. 
So it's important to me that I have other ways of um, making sure that that Brown family name uh, has, has a good memory and has a good association with it. Absolutely. I, I know growing up, my, my grandmother always used to tell me that we were a uh, descendant from Captain James Cook. Well, it turns out he didn't have any kids. So his lineage, his, you know, his lineage literally died with him. But mm -hmm. the fact that we still talk about him three, four, five hundred, whatever it was, years later means that he still has a legacy. Whether it's good or bad, exactly. doesn't matter, but he has a legacy that people are still listening to. So, you know, kids might be a big part of that, but they're not the only part of that. And uh, you know, uh, yeah. So I, I just yeah, hopefully that perks you up a little bit because absolutely that's what we you know, whatever it is, we, we want to leave a legacy. And, you know, they, uh, I think it's the Vikings that said you have your first, your, your first death is when you die. And your second death is when the last person who knows who you were dies. Mm -hmm. And if that's not a definition of a legacy, then I don't know what is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm all about that. And uh, Ted says, uh, <laughs> he says, I vote for a part two. Forgot how smart those damn Ferengi were. I bet you we can do another one down the road. Well, oh, sure. <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. Uh, does anyone else have any thoughts or questions you want to throw up there? And while we're waiting there right quick, um, if you want to, Carrie, tell people where they can find you, how they can find you, what you're all about. Yeah. So the, the business is called Strong Roots Resources. Um, if you're within about 200 to 250 miles of Knoxville, Tennessee, I'd be happy to come out and do homestead consulting with you. Um, I like to tell people that I use um, permaculture styled principles and techniques when it comes to helping people um, plan out and or upgrade of a sorts their homestead. And when I say homestead, I'm not talking about some big sprawling farm. I started by designing a one fifth acre urban lot um, that we did for over 13 years. So that's a, uh, that's the main focus of the business these days. I do labor jobs and things like that as well to kind of supplement the income. And I'm, you know, not afraid to side hustle myself all over the place, but yeah, stronger resources. I've been getting a little more stuff up on the Instagram and the Facebook pages and, um, uh, may eventually get around to some YouTube videos. I got the account reserved. So, uh, I just, I just got to basically schedule it and make myself do it. That's okay. And, Man, Kerry undersells himself a lot. He's an awesome man. He's a guy I consider a friend. Uh, as a guy who we actually got to <laughs> literally break bread together with uh, for a few days uh, last week or the week before, and it was great. I, I appreciated meeting you. And definitely, Kerry uh, is, you know, he's an encourager and a teacher. And man, yeah, check check him out, guys. Just look him up and follow him. And if, you, if you're in the area, support him because, yeah, you're a good man, my friend. Thanks. Thanks. Back to you. Yeah, thank you. I got I got to share this too. Ted threw this up here. He says, "Does anyone know why John Dillinger robbed banks?" So I was reading that while you were talking, and I was trying to figure out what the answer to that was. I figured it was some kind of really deep question, a really deep answer. The answer for everyone at home playing along is because that's where they kept the money. So yeah, ain't that the truth? Sometimes it's just about being practical, eh? Yeah. yeah. Oh, and Ted says you're the turkey tractor dude too, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I did a quick little tour of a turkey tractor that me and uh, some friends from Morse Mountain Farm there in South Knoxville. Uh, we built a turkey tractor together because we split an order. 
So I've got a little brooder of um, eight turkeys here nice. um, hanging out in the workshop. So they're a heritage breed. We will probably, we're going to see how the male female ratio balances out because Emily and Josh want to have like breed stock. I may okay. want to do the same, but if we wind up with a whole bunch of males, we're just going to have food. So, but hopefully we'll have maybe a couple of each and, you know, we can have some eggs, we can incubate. Um, I don't see a whole lot of people around here doing turkeys and um, they have more in the way of like incubation gear and setting for that. And we have plenty of pasture. So we'll be able to work out some kind of arrangement. I was going to, I'm going to put you on the spot one more time. Carrie's like, oh shit. Yeah. Uh, because this, this was the Star Trek episode. And I realized that I told everybody at the beginning that I was going to tell my Star Trek story that I didn't. And everybody who, the, the three people that remember are yelling at their, you know, phone right now listening. <laughs> Why didn't he tell the story? So first off, do you have a Star Trek memory as a kid? What, what is something you remember about Star Trek or something that stuck with you? See, I really put him on the spot. I'll keep talking. Uh, about I was just, you know, cause I've, I've watched all the shows except for, well, I haven't watched like the very newest stuff that's on like streaming and all that, but I've watched like all, you know, the original stuff and then the ones through the nineties. And I always decided that um, Voyager was my favorite because it had the highest number of attractive women on it. <laughs> so I'm going to pop one in on like a DVD or something. It's probably going to be like season four or five of Voyager because I mean, did, just. Did you have a thing for seven of nine? Well, yeah. And like all of them, like I, I thought, everybody thought I was weird, but I thought Kate Mulgrew was like beautiful, but I like redheads. So, sure. you know. Um, and then, yeah, it was just like, every time you turned around, there's like an attractive woman on the screen. So, I mean, you can't go wrong with that. You remember <laughs> what was the girl's name in, um, oh man, we, we went down a rabbit hole here, but on deep space nine, she had the, the entity that lived inside of her. She was a queen or whatever. Uh, yeah. Jazia Dax. Dax. I, uh, yeah. She did it for me. So I get it totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's beautiful. So, you know, yeah. So I'm going to share my story. I got to share this story before I forget, because we it, early on, you know, we always do that. We get 10 or 15 minutes to chat before the show goes live. And I told Carrie this story. So if you guys, if you're ever Star Trek fan, the quintessential Star Trek Next Generation episodes were the best of both worlds, part one and two. And for any of you under the age of, say, 30 out there, there used to be a time when you couldn't watch something when you wanted to watch it. You were at the mercy of television <laughs> the schedule and what they used mm -hmm. to do was they used to have what they called cliffhangers i you know it's not like netflix now when they release an entire season all at once so season three this was 1990 i'm pretty sure season three the cliffhanger was when captain picard became a borg and i was nine years old and me and my buddies brian and billy were i mean we were broken heart we were worked up we thought this is crazy we waited all summer so it was may we waited all summer for september to watch part two to find out how they saved Captain Picard. We sat down in their living room. They were pastor's kids. They lived in the uh, parsonage that the church provided home across the street from me. We sat down in the living room with their family to watch it. And a few minutes before the show came on, the power went out. <laughs> yeah. I, I, if I remember, uh, that's as much as I can remember for sure. But if I remember, it came back on about 15 to 20 minutes in the episode. So we had to wait until it replayed a few days or a few weeks later and we recorded it and watched it. But there's nothing worse than waiting for a cliffhanger. That would be like trying to figure out who shot JR and then going to sit down mm -hmm. and discover that you didn't get to, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Oh yeah. You remember the, uh, you remember the pressure of like trying to record it on the VCR and like, you know, either if you could program it, like making sure it was actually recording, like the, the stress involved in that was ridiculous. And then trying to cut out the commercials, but not forget to unpause and yeah. Running out of video tape. Oh, Mm -hmm. uh, do you remember when, okay. So you're talking, remember how you used to have to push the little buttons for the VCR to to program Mm -hmm. it. Well, one year for Christmas, mom and dad got me a VCR that had on-screen programming. And that completely changed my world. <laughs> Do you remember when it came up on the screen, it was blue with white light letters and you could select it. It was like, holy shit. Mind blown. <laughs> yeah. Did I remember yeah. one time I said I was heading out and I had to go to some, well, you know, when you're a teenager, you know, something's always important, right? So I was heading out and I said to dad, I said, dad, the new X-Files is coming on tonight. It was a Sunday night. And I was a huge X-Files fan. I said, Dad, could you hit record? Just go in my bedroom, hit record, and let it run. There's a tape in there. You'll have six hours. And I got home, and he had forgot to hit record. And I was brokenhearted. <laughs> yeah. It happens, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And let's finish on this one. Ted says, no wonder you're a prepper, Tim. That must have sucked. Yes. If I'd have had proper backup power, I would have been able to watch the 21-inch uh, cathode ray tube television because the cable came in, didn't need power back then. You didn't need power for cable. All we had was we just didn't have a way to power the TV. Man. It sucked. Yeah. You know? so, anyway. Yeah. Thank you, Carrie. This was fun. And maybe we will do a second episode down the road. I, I enjoyed it. Absolutely. Yeah, I had a good time. Thanks for having me on. No problem. And if you want to hang around real quick there, I'll close up and I'll be back with you. All right. Well, guys, um, I, yeah, I, Carrie's a good friend. We had a great conversation. I hope you enjoyed this. If you have requests for other shows like this, um, I've actually been toying with, if you guys have ever watched the Zombieland movie, I've been toying with doing an episode on the rules of survival from Zombieland. Uh, you know, uh, don't forget cardio, always look in the back seat, that kind of stuff. So maybe we'll do more of these because the um, popular culture, the pop culture episodes I do, always seem to be a big hit. So we appreciate you guys. I always appreciate you. Have a good evening, Ted. He said, good night, gentlemen. Uh, thanks, Cabot. It was, this was a lot of fun. Thanks, Chris. So yeah, guys, if you want to know uh, next time to find me this week will be Tuesday night, 6 PM, uh, fireside freedom, 6 PM mountain time. We're going to be raking the coals. We're going to be raking the coals with someone, but I can't share any more than that. So you need to tune in to the fireside freedom YouTube channel and catch us out live. Cause it's going to be awesome. And do not forget a American 12 noon mountain time next Friday, May 13th. We have him coming on the author of the going home series, spread the news, get it out there, guys. Let everyone know that that is what's happening because it's a big deal for the workshop. It's a big get and I am excited. So I tell you every night, but thanks guys. You could spend your time anywhere and you choose to come and hang out with me and Carrie in the workshop. And that does not go unappreciated. So thank you guys. And as always stay happy. Stay healthy and have a great week.